for November 26th, 2018. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 543. Hot Dumbledore on Grindelwald action. Welcome to Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are like your smart, funny friends from the internet. We're like, uh, we're like classmates, aren't we? At a special school for for nerds so nerdy that it's almost like magic. Uh, I'm Matt Rather. I am here with my classmates, Peter Fenzel. Hello, Pete. Hey, Matt. And Mark Lee. Hey, Mark. Hey, it's good to be back after yeah, it's a bit good. of an absence. It's good to have you back uh, back here on the podcast. All right, this week on the show, The uh, Crimes of Grindelwald, which is the latest entry in the Fantastic Beasts series, which is the latest series in the Wizarding World franchise, which is apparently a thing. And that is the latest franchise in Harry Potter. So, uh, you know, they're they're trying to figure out how to make Star Wars uh, movies without Star Wars, and they're trying to figure out how to make Harry Potter movies without Harry Potter, and it's all being reckoned into, I guess, this Wizarding World kind of label, you know, this uh, fr- franchise name, uh, to which I, I have to say to the good people at Warner Brothers, stop trying to make Fetch happen. <laughs> it's it's just I don't know it feels feels a little forced. Anyway, there were advertisements for other franchises before the uh before the movie trailers for the new Jason Momoa uh franchise which is uh all about a underwater king. <laughs> Which is, I I think the whole DC cinematic universe is actually the Jason Momoa cinematic universe at this point. Um, This is just, this is all the Jason Momoa cinematic universe. We're all just living in it. It's basically what it comes down to. There's a a good point. I actually, I feel like we could do a a fun thing of just like cataloging the franchises, you know, the MCU, Star Wars. um, The Conjuring, the Conjuring universe is big. Don't forget about that, even though we haven't watched any of them. So Uh, monotheism, you know, Old Testament, (laughs) New Testament, (laughs) I mean, that stuff, that's some serious box office bop over there. Um, All right. So the uh, the uh, let's uh, let's go into the crimes of Grindelwald only to to stop and say um, the the overthinking it gift guide has dropped. It didn't drop on Black Friday this year, but it's coming out at the same time as this episode. And the biggest thing in the gift guide this year, uh, well, no, it's not it's not the biggest thing. I, I think the biggest thing is a giant Tyrannosaurus Rex costume. That is the physically largest item that we recommend in the overthinking it gift guide for 2018. Uh, but the thing that I would like like to make sure you know about is um the overthinking it our, our uh, streamlined <laughs> overthinking it membership uh we hope that you pick one of these up for the holidays now when a couple years ago we introduced the overthinking it memberships surprise surprise uh we overthought it and we created a uh, a Byzantine um, set of tiers and rewards that just uh, proved unwieldy, uh, hard to understand, and, and difficult to support. So here's the new deal, guys. <laughs> um, we're transitioning all overthinking it memberships uh, before the end of 2018 to five bucks a month, and you get extra podcasts. 
How's that for a very simple value <laughs> proposition? Five bucks a month and you get more audio content. Now, there's all kinds of audio content. You get uh, uh, the occasional question of the week, which is like a whole separate segment of the podcast that we record. Uh, you get the PeteCast, which is a, a periodic examination of some topic by Pete Fenzel solo. It's like a, a mainlining Pete Fenzel. Um, there, are, there are other things that we've done, including uh, series for um, different TV shows, uh, including um, the uh, oh, uh, the book club on 1984, and all of the overviews, the old uh, the old buyable, downloadable movie contra- uh, commentaries are available uh, to members to get that to get that library. All of those extra audio things, five bucks a month, and uh, and less if you pay for the whole year in advance. Uh, so that's what we're doing. If you are a member, your membership, uh, as of this announcement. <laughs> is going to be reduced in price um and uh everyone gets everyone gets the uh everyone gets the 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 digital digital library and also this is a a a little talked about thing but i think it's one of the more fun things we do you get a, an email weekly it's called the back channel see we back channel with each other when we record these podcasts on Skype and the biggest thing we do, because we're mostly concentrating on the show, but the biggest thing we do is pull out uh, title suggestions. And so uh, in the uh, back channel email, which contains an early link to the podcast, it doesn't wait until the regular posting time. As soon as the audio is done, the email goes out. Uh, it also contains um, not only a link to that to uh, stream early if you want to, um, the uh, the email contains all of the podcast suggestions that we've made over the course of the over the course of the episode. So you see the road or roads, usually many many roads not taken on this. Anyway, that is the uh, the centerpiece item in the Overthinking It gift guide this year. We hope you like the things in there. We hope you click through those links and buy some stuff uh, for yourself or for your family and friends. It's a you know a big affiliate marketing ploy. Everyone all, all around the internet around this time of year, publishers get kickbacks for you doing e-commerce, which is fundamentally an unsustainable business model. Um, and it explains why publisher publishing is dying. But we are going to ride this magical dragon straight into the magical suitcase <laughs> until it clamps down on our heads. And with that, let's turn to the crimes of Grindelwald. Der Crimes, der, der crimes of, of Grindelwald, or Der, der Grindelwalden uh, Crimen. Now, uh, I know that Grindelwald is, uh, and blanket spoiler alert for the crimes of Grindelwald, and also it really doesn't matter. Guys, I kept waiting for this movie to start. <laughs> my reaction was that like when is something of consequence going to happen and pete you as we were prepping for this you described it very succinctly i think as a star wars prequel problem can you explain what you meant when what you mean by that when you describe the problem this movie has as a star wars prequel problem sure although i will first present four star wars prequel solutions that Fantastic Beasts, <laughs> the Crime of Grindelwald, boasts and should be credited with. 
In the Star Wars prequels, there are many, many characters who have no personality and are almost indistinguishable from each other. <laughs> there are many, many action sequences that are overly busy and impossible to follow with multiple points of focus. There are romances with no heart, chemistry, or plausibility, and there are wild, jarring swings in tone from scene to scene and movie to movie. So what we have in Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, is something that is in the style of the Star Wars prequels in certain ways, but the characters have personality, the action sequences are not impossible to follow or overly busy, they have clear points of focus, the romances have heart, chemistry, and plausibility, and the tone is pretty consistent throughout the entire course of the movie. So, you're welcome. That said, <laughs> so if you've been complaining about the Star Wars prequels, these are better. All right, this low bar, low bar has been cleared. <laughs> yes. So try spinning; it's a good trick. So, uh, so that said, the the big thing I think, well, the first big thing that Fantastic Beasts and Crimes of Grindelwald has in common with the Star Wars prequels is the sense that the auteur right of the whole thing is somebody who is spinning out their imagination, and nobody can necessarily really say no to them. Uh, you know, that in this case, J.K. Rowling in kind of providing content for the Fantastic Beast movies is kind of imagining things and talking about what she thinks is canon and kind of spinning things out. And that is sort of the fountain from which these movies are drawing their information. And it's not a fountain that's that's directed at any particular sort of mandate. Right. Like there's no like necessary purpose that these movies as stories are serving. And that's sort of the other piece and the big piece, which is I get the sense from watching especially Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, that the Fantastic Beasts movies are aiming at some sort of big final revelation that is going to be a lore revelation about the Harry Potter universe, that that there is some sort of big thing that the Harry Potter universe is going to kind of land on, some sort of tonic note, tonic chord, uh, that, that and all of these events that are happening are relatively unimportant compared to the big thing that is going to happen. Uh, I personally think that the big thing that is that that is actually very close to the Star Wars prequels in that the big thing that's going to happen is Tom Riddle is going to be happen is going to happen who is he who shall not be named right must not be named the dark lord himself good old lord Voldemort is at the end of he's the monster at the end of this book is my sense my sense is that lord lord Voldemort is the monster at the end of this book and all of these events that we're watching is how everybody is kind of jerking each other around for years and years and years, failing to solve important problems while it being distracted by other nonsense with the end result of Lord Voldemort being a thing. That, that is what I think from watching this. And that's how it feels similar to the uh, the service prequels, because Grindelwald is something of a Dooku figure, although not quite as charismatic and <laughs> certainly no less admirable as an actor and a human being, uh, the performance thereof. But uh but that um, he's not he's not quite this kind of secondary character that Dooku is, but that he is this villain that everybody is is really thinks is really dangerous. But the thing that's really dangerous about Dooku or Grindelwald is what his presence makes people do. And, and it's so it's the, the good guys are causing the problems. Right. And the bad guys are not really causing the problems. The good guys are causing the problems by reacting to their situation poorly. And then over time, these sins are going to kind of build up and, and snowball. And eventually we're going to end up with Lord Voldemort and the Death Eaters and uh, and everybody getting killed and stuff. Although there are multiple severe uh, multiple severe consequences and wizarding wars and such that will happen between now and the uh, the scar in the middle of that kid's forehead. Right. But but that's sort of what I would say is that, like, 
if it seems like the events of the Fantastic Beasts, the crimes of Grindelwald don't matter, it's because they don't matter. <laughs> oh, okay. I get it now. And, and, and be specifically because they are not the things that matter, right? That, that, that the, these are the things that are happening while the things that matter are kind of inexorably approaching. That, that is that is my sense in hearing it. And, and also, I don't think this is just me like seeing the movie in the context of the other movies. I think the movie is trying to tell you this, not the least of which by its title, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Hey, Mark. What are the crimes of Grindelwald, and how much running time in the movie do they encompass? Uh, oh, he kills a baby pretty close early on. That's pretty. Okay. That's pretty heinous. So, like, right at the beginning. Uh, uh, well, yeah, he kills an innocent couple, just like random bystanders, and then like the, the camera spends a lot of time lingering over him, uh, deciding to kill the baby. I mean, he right. kills her so causes to have killed, right? He doesn't. He actually doesn't do a lot of killing himself. So, like at the beginning, you're saying he he yeah. he yeah. At the beginning he kills a couple people. And then there's two hours of movie, during which time oh he he what well he kills the baby he takes that apartment right but honestly in this real estate environment who could blame him am I right? Uh, but the, re- the real crime is the rent am I yeah, right? Seriously, huh? the real crime is that they don't have enough luxury wizard condo multiplexes that are going up around. Uh, no, no, it's um so so he he breaks out of prison right, um yep. and then he kills that family. Yep, and then. And then he what? Like, what does he do at yeah. the end? He has a giant fire dragon that kills a whole bunch of police officers. And there is this whole sort of manipulation where he's using like kind of mental influence to try to get people to show up to a political rally. But like from I mean, Matt, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, what does he do? And, and even the people at the end, when he kill, I guess they're police officers, so so you know you shouldn't kill them. But like, it, it is an action movie fight, you know? Right, right, right. I Which look, what, I yeah. I had like I had an even. I feel like this movie has this problem on a uh, macro micro level, right? The the actual thing that's important is the fight between Harry Potter and Voldemort, and we know how that turns out. It's also like there's no risk to Dumbledore, you know, we, because we know, you know, that he like. I mean, he's really uh, Dumbledore in a you know non canonical, uh, you know, transitional comic book is really affected by his experiences with LSD uh, to the point where he. Uh, stops wearing those really awesome, uh, really awesome suits that Jude Law wears, and starts wearing the the weird, um, you know, the weird. Uh, I don't even know what to call it. Sort of mystical wizard hats and robes and things like this. What is that flat? Is there a name for that flat cap that Dumbledore is sometimes wearing in in pictures? The kind of flat cloth cap with a, a band of cloth and flat cap. It's a cap. It's flat. You know, I mean. <laughs> is it is it the same kind that's worn when you like graduate with a master's degree or something? Oh yeah, I guess from yeah. wizard school, right? So, exactly. Yeah. The, the, yeah. Well, the academic regalia of wizard school is is involved, and it's really beyond the scope of this podcast. But the the you know that like uh, he's not he's not at at risk. You know, if the weird blood crucifix gets. Uh, um, gets blowed up or doesn't get blowed up and like Dumbledore has to fight uh, and you know Jude Law and Johnny Depp have to fight that that it it doesn't matter cuz we know the outcome right uh, and already. what's the outcome 
Um, well, it's that that Johnny Depp goes away and Jude Law grows up to be Michael Gambon, right? And that and that we know also things about Tom Riddle and we know Harry Potter and and things like this and all of these things are like just sort of sort of filling in and so it can't uh, the movie can't offer suspense it has it has only negative goods oh but then sorry the the micro level that this happens on is that like it's this is just teeing up the fight between Jude Law and Johnny Depp you know right. that, that and and you can't make a movie this is something that I I feel like I've I've said over and over and over on this podcast and and yet Hollywood refuses to listen to me um you can't make a movie about the awesome movie that you're not making right now <laughs> You know, that that's, yes. that that's a bad subject for a movie. And so, like, just teeing up part three, where it's just a Depp on Law extravaganza, you know, with hot wizard on wizard hot, yeah. action, you know, um, appropriate, appropriate, because, like, the, the assumption in Harry Potter uh, lore is that Grindelwald is the great love of Dumbledore's life because Dumbledore was outed by J.K. Rowling um, soon after book seven dropped, you know, and that that like uh, th- but it's not, you know, it's not hinted. It's I guess it's hinted at uh, th- there are some like uh, there are some, you know, campy moments a little bit in the mirror worthy of bohemian rhapsody but not uh you know not explicitly stated but like uh, that movie you don't get that movie and so this so so the point i want to make is that this film doesn't have positive things to offer like suspense is a positive thing resolution uh uh triumph over adversity those are those are things positive not in the sense of yay good positive in the sense of they exist right like i can make a claim about it this this film has negative things to offer it can the the thing that it can do to you is withhold information that you want right Un- mm. until it can until it chooses to parcel it right. out to you until the next movie until the next book or stage play or, or what have or, you or even uh, or, or even within the movie sorry yeah. go ahead yeah exactly yeah, exactly there's bookshelves there's like uh two separate like macguffin chases into like an oh, archive geez, yeah. you know Speaking of things that this movie withholds from you, like it teases and doesn't give, quite give you, is another freaking movie at Hogwarts. Because let's be honest, that's all that people really want, right? I don't know if uh, your theater was, but there's like a little titter of joy. Not quite applause, full out applause. It was like, ooh, ah, when Hogwarts comes back. And like, and they spent a lot of time with the flashback sequence. Um, that seems like really obvious stuff that they should be doing uh, rather than whatever this nonsense is running around uh, major cities of of, uh, of North America and, and Europe in the late in, in the early 20th century. So, um, yeah, that, that, that we are not getting that movie. We're also not getting the um, the hot Dumbledore and Grindelwald action, um, which well, I guess we'll, we'll come back to that in a second. That is definitely deserving more conversation. I mean, I like Newt Scamander as a character. I don't mind. I like I like the first Fantastic Beasts movie. I I think the first Fantastic Beasts movie does a bit more to present a standalone story than this movie does, because this movie this movie is also a really, really straight down the middle Empire Strikes Back movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like, really? I mean, do you want to run the changes on that a bit, Mark? So Uh, many similarities. A character goes over to the dark side. Yeah. uh, there's uh, it just it ends on a down note. I mean, that's the main thing, yeah. right? I mean, this this movie is basically has it's about it's about Luke, and Luke is walking around for the entire movie waiting for somebody to tell him that Darth Vader is his dad, 
Right. And it's like any and he's like, he's not sure. It's like someone sent me a memo that said that I have to confront this guy and I don't know who he is or why. Uh, and, and the whole thing is sort of about. Uh, but, you know, it start, you know, the you start out with nude and he's got his sort of own adventure and then he has to kind of regroup and get sent on a new mission. Right. And uh, I mean, it, do, it doesn't really have the sort of Yoda thing going on, per se. Um, but uh, but it just it feels especially in the whole the whole thing about it being a revelation about a character's father that then ends to like a down note ending with like the character kind of staring out of a window. Right. It's like although that was a load bearing beam. Thank you. And he just destroyed that freaking <laughs> castle for no reason. <laughs> have you never heard of a flying buttress for Christ's sake? Like now I have to get the Masons all the way up here again. And that means so many handshakes. But no, uh, but that, that OK, so it's it is a it is a second movie in a series that is trying really hard to be a second movie in a series, specifically an Empire Strikes Back movie. Um, and yeah, I guess I wouldn't have mind watching just another movie about Newt and his buddies. I thought they were great. Uh, I don't know if you guys like the first Fantastic Beast movie. Eh, it wasn't um, super into it, but yeah, it was better than this for sure. Newt's an interesting character, I think. Um, and actually, if we're going to get into it a little bit, I want to I want to point out one thing about Newt that intersects with kind of the whole plot of this movie, which is I don't like if there was one thing I mean, I'll, I'll go around the horn. If there's one thing you could change about this movie, what would it be? Uh, and I'll, I'll say I'll say what mine is first, because I don't want to uh, lead you guys somewhere where I won't follow is uh, when Dumbledore tells Newt that he has to go to Paris to get credence to get John Fogarty down there. Mr. Creedence Clearwater Revival, who's like hanging around, moping around, wishing he was in some Latter Day Die Hard sequel. Right. Uh, and, and, and you have to go get this kid. Right. And he's like, well, why do I have to go get him? Why not send any number of other people? You know, you have you you apparently are some sort of you know, Illuminati person who has a conspiracy of agents all over the world. Why don't you do this? Not me. Uh, and he says, well, Newt, I, I want to send you because I know that you do the right thing regardless of what happens. And this is not true of Newt at all. Right. Like this is this is I objected to this like a lot. Right. I don't I don't think that that what Dumbledore tells Newt in this moment is accurate about Newt or really what motivates him. And, and what he should have told Newt was, look, Newt, there are a lot of people and a lot of wizards who do the right thing, who who fight for what's right, who fight for what's good, and who are willing to make sacrifices. But the difference between them and you is that you, more than anybody, value life. And there are a lot of people who are going to look at this kid and think that the world it would be a better place if this kid were dead rather than alive. And these some of these people are good good people, and they're going to see this kid and they think, well, we got to kill this kid because this kid is going to threaten the entire world. Um, and I'm sending you because I know you value life more than any other paradigm of right and wrong and that you are most likely to bring him back alive right? because he is a vulnerable and endangered creature. And you need to go put him in your suitcase and bring him back here. Right. Like that, to me, is the mandate that Newt should have in going to go get this kid and, and a connection between Newt's character and his relationship with his friends, that sort of menagerie of fantastic beasts that are people, isn't really connected in that in any sort of direct way, in any sort of big beat moment to this search for this sort of a CW cut rate, mopey, you know, obscurest kid. You know, uh, it just seems to be a little bit separate. So that's the one thing I would change. So, so Mark, what is the one thing that you would change if you could change one thing about this movie? Um, well, just first of all, you hit the, really hit the nail on the head there with like the the key strength of Newt 
and mm-hmm. what uh, uh, what that moment should have relayed um, instead of the uh, the thing about doing the right thing. Um, so uh, what I would have changed, yeah, um, just like, cut all the exposition. Oh my god, come on! Like uh, 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 this is this is a movie where like so much of the a, a, a unwieldy balance of the important stuff happens not in the main timeline of the movie either through um a lot of exposition in the tomb or lengthy flashbacks um uh that it was like clawing my eyes out when that happened i don't know if you had that, that reaction to the uh, to the exposition um come on uh, like, well, show don't tell right for the flashbacks i was definitely having flashbacks to crouching tiger hidden dragon flashbacks so it was like a triple nested flashback <laughs> so, and i was like oh no and i remember complaining that the crouching tiger hidden dragon flashbacks were long and annoying and uh and that i found these also you know in that in that vein so i know what yeah, you're talking if, about. if your story requires that much exposition and flashback then uh change your freaking story <laughs> So, and, and Matt, what, what is the one thing you would change? I about? guess. I mean, like it's, it's inception, right? Like the truth is we are still inside <laughs> a flashback. Um, I, I guess I would like, I would like the emotional stakes of what was happening to be dealt with. Right. The, the, I don't know the the Harry Potter world is at, at, at least the, the books, the seven books were pretty good about not killing about about killing people and taking it seriously right like not a lot of weird resurrections not a lot of you know people people are dead and they're dead you know um and they're mourned people are sad when they die yeah right and uh, dumbledore being the one you know um oilers uh, well, at this point. Spoilers from a Barnes you know, and Noble parking lot, and the t- yeah. <laughs> and the touching, yeah, exactly. The 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 books bookstores aren't a thing anymore. Uh, spoiler alert: um, the like the touching scene at the end of six is it right where all the all the wizards and students hold their light up their wands and sort of hold them up uh, like uh, someone's playing a ballad at a concert or something, and they they uh, you know wave them back and forth. They just hold up the light. Uh, in in the air, um, that 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 that's taken seriously, and it's there are a number of kind of emotional things in this movie that are not given the heft uh, that they should be. Um, first of all, that like the flapper girl drugs her boyfriend, right? Yes, and. Uh, you mean Queenie, right? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Is I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, Queenie, sure. Yep. <laughs> okay, if you say so. Uh, <laughs> Just call her thoroughly modern Millie, right? <laughs> yeah, and Millie like drugs her boyfriend and drags and and he like dusts himself off and he's like, oh shucks, you know. And that's not that is the that is an inappropriate <laughs> level of affect that does not match the the kind of the the reaction is not equal and opposite <laughs> to the action and that that happens um a lot of times like uh, especially when Zoe Kravitz dies spoiler alert too uh like um and Newt tries to comfort his brother. At least it's gestured at there, and it is in the middle of the climactic action sequence. But still, that's that's too much. You know, I, it's kind of too much glossed glossed yeah. over. I don't the guy know. just watched his fiance incinerated in front of him, right? 
And this idea that these two bros can have a moment and he's like, I really appreciate that you're here for me at this time when my fiance was just incinerated in front of me, as opposed to something like, no, God, no, or just like sitting there vacantly staring, right, incapable of touching or being touched. Just the just I don't know uh, that 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 stretched credulity for me, which was the idea that the, and it's his best friend from childhood has also been incinerated in front of him. Yeah, there's a good, uh, there's a good point. I mean, so I'm just saying, like those. I wish that in that moment, those two characters had shown like a little bit more of a of a emotional reaction that was of a plausible degree to what had just happened. But here, here's the thing. Like, I, I mean, I guess really, I, I'd like fewer women carrying a torch for Newt for no discernible reason. Are you talking just about the ones who are burned alive to fridge for him, or other ones? No, yeah, not not just that. Also, his uh, his animal attendant. Yes, yes, right? yes. Who also who also stands Newt pretty hard. Yeah, um, she he's he's shipping suitcases and she's shipping them. Right? Yeah. Is that but, the idea? <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, like uh, now. That said, I feel like Newt is a good, good. Like you said, he's a good character. He's also sort of consonant with the Harry Potter universe, right? Like the the Harry Potter universe is is a universe that likes multiplicity and variety and hates. Uh, um, totalitarianism, right? Mm-hmm. Hates sort of uh, uh, auto- autocracy. Um, the, the the both autocrats and the kind of the single s- single mindedness of vision. It's always a force for uh, for evil um, in the world. And e- even right, even this, like the kind of this this whole three or five or eighteen or whatever it is movie series, is a long. Uh, Law and Order type flashback of like uh, of why Voldemort isn't so so bad a guy uh, after all, right? If you <laughs> if you really understand where he comes you mean why from, Grind- you know? why Grindelwald is not so bad after all? No, no, all. why Vol- Voldemort? Okay, okay. Uh, right? Because like we're gonna understand at least this is your conjecture, and I think you're you're you know probably with six to five and pick them that you're right or no sorry i, I that's that's a uh more or less an even bet right no i think i think you're you're the odds on favorite to win there is that is that a good gambling term we've established that i'm not good at, <laughs> at gambling terms in previous episodes that's fine it's totally fine don't worry about it um that like you're probably you're probably right and the the net effect is going to be like well voldemort's dad you know, was let down by Dumbledore or some something bad happened with Voldemort's dad and that was the thing and you see Voldemort is at least partially to blame, you know. It's like, yeah. well, uh, uh yeah, blame blame the victim, you know. Uh and yeah, play right and the the really nice actress who Turns into a snake, gets decapitated by Neville Longbottom. Like that's this is, <laughs> after like, she freaking brutally kills Severus Snape, yeah. <laughs> dear old Alan Rickman. That's a it. It is it is quite the heel turn to go from this sort of sad, like abandoned circus folk to like I'm just going to eat this child. <laughs> I'm just going to do it just because this guy said so, or just because it's here. You know, like Nagini is not a good character. No, I don't mean not a good character. I mean not good in the sense of morally good. Like. Even among snakes, Nagini is pretty hard. Pause, pause for a moment. Can you or help orient this like casual observer of the Harry Potter right. universe? You're talking about the snake lady, right? So we got to start. Okay. I think it's time. We really – we owe it to our readers to unpack some of the details of the plot 
of this movie and the reveals that it makes. Because in as we've said, there are some movies where if we give you the spoiler, it kind of ruins it. And so we don't want to give you the spoiler. And there are some movies where if we give you the spoiler, uh, it doesn't ruin it because whatever's going to happen is so predictable. This is one of those movies where if we give you the spoiler, you're still not going to understand what happened. Right. And so we got to kind of hash out what happens. So one of the many uh, revelations that this movie presents about the Harry Potter mainline story and, and this movie presents a series of revelations that are effectively retcons. Sometimes they're things that weren't really explored previously. Sometimes they're pretty big changes to what was generally understood that are somewhat plausible. And sometimes they even really strain credulity. One of them is that the well-meaning uh, Korean circus folk, right, who turns into a snake, at some point she's going to turn into a snake permanently, her name is Nagini. This is the name of the snake familiar of he who must not be named, the monster at the end of this book, Lord Voldemort, and uh, accompanies him. And uh, in the Harry Potter universe, Lord Voldemort is a parcel tongue. He speaks in the language of snakes. So Nagini is not only his sort of familiar and, and enforcer, but really his closest friend. And so uh, when you have, you know, noseless Ray Fiennes going around murdering children and their teachers, this snake is like riding shotgun the whole time. And uh, and and so Nagini is like a big deal. Right. Uh, he's like Mamba in Naruto. Right. I think. That's <laughs> I mean, don't don't even don't even sell Nagini short. She's not just eating children and, and savagely attacking Alan Rickman. She actually crawls into inside a dead lady's skin. Uh, and manipulates her snake body so that the dead woman's corpse can kind of like hobble along and right. pretend to be alive. Like that's a thing that happens in Harry Dude, Potter. Weekend at Bernie's it. Yeah. It's yeah. This is, <laughs> this is, I, I feel like Charlotte's web should spit, should read like some snake uh, over this, over this amazing snake creature. So, so what the, so this is sort of part of the Tom Riddle thesis for this movie, which is that we've got Credence Clearwater Revival, right? Credence Barebones here, who it looks like a sort of looks like Tom Riddle quite a bit. He's like he's sort of like creepy kid, and there's shots of him kind of in all darkness, and he kind of like yeah, looks, super looks, super Vampire Diaries ish. The yes, the aesthetic, exactly. Right? Yeah, and so like he's this creepy kid who's got this terrible power and this mysterious heritage. And uh, these are all things that are true about Tom Riddle, who becomes uh, uh, the monster at the end of the book. And so he's now best friends with the Snake Nagini, who is best friends with Voldemort later. So there's a connection, right? Okay, why? Why? Why is is it that Nagini is going to meet Tom Riddle later and be like, "Oh yeah, Tom Riddle really reminds me of my best friend Credence from back in the day, who died in that uh, hovering fight in the Swiss Alps next to Johnny Depp, you know, for no reason, right? Like um, that kind of thing, right? Like, uh, or does Credence have some sort of relationship with Tom Riddle that's going to come out later, or some sort of like interaction with him that's going to make Nagini sympathetic to Tom Riddle, like say if Dumbledore were to kill Credence, right? Like if Dumbledore were to kill Credence and Tom Riddle were to come to hate Dumbledore and then like so on and so forth, right? So like these are all just sort of ideas of sort of like building the coalitions, right? Another big revelation in this movie is, re is really, I mean, the big one is Credence's provenance, which I guess we can go into. 
which is a matter of hot contention. And there are going to be uh, there are multiple theories as to what exactly is happening, because what happens in the movie doesn't strictly make sense uh, in terms of the what's previously been said in the series. So uh, uh, some people will have different opinions about this and will parse it differently. The gist is that supposedly Credence is a long lost brother of Dumbledore. And it is not specified whether it's a full brother or a half brother or what, but that these from the house of Dumbledore, because there's this Phoenix that shows up at the end. And supposedly the Phoenix only shows up for Dumbledores and as such, right? This apparently makes Credence a very powerful wizard and would also make Credence outside of the unbreakable pact, right? That little blood pact spell thing artifact so that, uh, Grindelwald could use Credence to try to kill Dumbledore because he can't do it himself, because when they were together, he made this oath that he wouldn't do it. That's magically binding. But the reason that this is tricky is that Dumbledore's father has been in prison for life in Azkaban and dies in prison, according to the sort of established canon. And his mother uh, is dead at this point. Right. Um, I believe. And so there is no real opportunity where. um Kendra, uh, Dumbledore's wife, and Percival Dumbledore were together uh, in order to sire Credence Clearwater Revival, right? Uh, and so, why? Like, how does this work? There are a number of different theories. Uh, one theory is that it's related to the events of Fantastic Beasts One, which is the Obscurus, right? That there's this sort of parasite that can live in a wizard. And then maybe the parasite kind of moved from one wizard to another wizard and sort of moved from Dumbledore's sister into because Dumbledore's sister had a parasite like this into another baby and carried with it some sort of like magical DNA of Dumbledoreness. Um, although the theory that I, I've read that I like the most is um, that Percival Dumbledore. His first name is Percival. Other than Harry Potter's children, at the very, very end of the story, there are not a lot of situations in the Harry Potter universe where first names get repeated across characters. J.K. Rowling tends to keep first names used like only a couple of times so that you can uh, tell the characters apart. Right. Of course, like, you know, Harry has a child named Albus Severus or whatever his name is. Uh, So that kind of breaks it. But that's after the story's over. And so Percival Dumbledore is Dumbledore's father. Percival Graves is the name of the Colin Farrell character in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them in America, uh, who is the sort of sort of surrogate father to Credence a little bit. Um, The theory here is that Percival Dumbledore had a phoenix appear to him while he was in Azkaban that spirited him away and that he changed his name and that he might have changed it to Percival Graves because he's dead. Right. He's like everybody thinks he's dead. And he changed his name and he fled to America and and it's, he changed his name and he got remarried, right? And, like, this kid was a product of his marriage afterwards. And then later, Grindelwald killed Percival Graves and assumed his identity and became Colin Farrell, who was really Johnny Depp. <laughs> and now he's looking for his son, right? Uh, he's, or Percival, like, Grindelwald is looking for Percival's son. Is this proven or demonstrated in the, in the content at all? No. Right. This is just like, OK, how does Fantastic Beasts one fit with Fantastic Beasts two and fit with all this other stuff? There has to be some sort of other dynamic at work here that connects Credence and Dumbledore and his family, because it doesn't really seem likely that they're just going to be like, oh, yeah, it was a conjugal visit. 
right? Like, like somebody just went to go visit Percival Dumbledore in Azkaban and they knocked boots like whilst there one time. And because Percival Dumbledore is the world's most fecund magician, right? Like this, this uh, CW kid pops out like, no, that's not, that's not how it works. Um, but anyway, so, so why is it important? It's important because the kid has a relationship to Dumbledore, uh, and, and, um, and also because the kid is outside of the bounds of the blood oath between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. Here's the other thing, and it's really why I go into it. This would make Credence a character who has kind of secret magical provenance uh, that he doesn't know about and is adopted then by a non-magical family that treats him really, really crappily. And uh, that for, as a result when of that, all he wanted to do was check the power converters. <laughs> <laughs> And and it's it's just this is this is true of both uh, Tom Riddle and Harry Potter, right? Tom Riddle, aka the monster at the end of the book, Lord Voldemort, was raised in this manner, and Harry Potter was too. And uh, also, and, also Luke Skywalker was my point. And also Luke Skywalker. Well, though Luke Skywalker's and Uncle are fine. They're not also also Moses. Yes, Moses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Although he gets a nice outfit, right? Uh, I don't think it's the technical or dream quote quite yet. That's a little bit farther down the line. But okay. uh, <laughs> so let me let me ask this because okay. I'm really the wrong person to be evaluating all this. Okay. Um, I've seen like uh, four, uh, just like six Harry Potter movies total, including the two Fantastic Beast movies and fragments of the rest of them on HBO. Uh, and I'm roughly familiar with the broad outline of the story. I'm not like a huge fan in the way that I am a huge fan of, say, Star Wars, where I kind of eat up every piece of lore. So for those people who are fully ensconced in the lore, are people excited about this? No, no, they're upset, Mark. They tend to uh, be upset about it. <laughs> ah, okay. That, that makes me feel a little bit better, I think, <laughs> because, like, you know, I, 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 I'm just bewildered by by all this. And, like, it's, it's like, so maddening that, you know, this story, like, can't tell, you know, uh, have a beginning, middle, and end, and like, you know, in giving information, it creates a negative space. Um, that is frustrating, so I'm glad that other people uh, share in my uh, in my agony. But Pete, is it just because is it just because you get this information from Reddit, from like the Harry Potter subreddit, <laughs> that it seems like people are upset because everyone on Reddit is upset. Yeah, like it true. seems like the the natural state of the redditor. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe it's not fair to say they're very upset. Maybe it's more fair to say that. People, Harry Potter fans are confused by this, as far as I know. And my wife is a bigger Harry Potter fan than I am. And she loved this movie. She she really enjoyed it, right? Uh, I wouldn't say she thinks it's her favorite movie ever, but she definitely enjoyed it. Um, she ranked it slightly above Creed Two. Uh, this weekend, which was which is a big the Creed Two is pretty good. So you know, also with the Harry Potter universe. Wow, but where? Yeah. Where, wow, where, where does big it? Revelation. Yeah, exactly. Where does it stand with Wreck It Ralph? Wreck Ralph is far below both Creed Two and Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, uh, and the second one as well. Wreck Ralph. I mean, it's not. We can talk about Wreck Ralph. I might even record a P cast about Wreck Ralph. Um, it is. It is fine. Don't get me wrong. But I, it was a little bit. It was not as good as either. Really? I felt like I felt like Wreck Ralph was the best cartoon about toxic masculinity released this week. <laughs> I'm glad you had the same reading of Wreck-It Ralph that I did, right? Which is the red pill rate reading, right? Yep. Which we can go into more in a where, where basically like Ralph, right? Ralph is uh, Ralph is the neckbeard who ruins the internet through his inability to handle intimacy. Yeah, uh, but well, right, exactly. Like, but but you you gotta you know you gotta feel for the guy. He's best friend zoned. 
<laughs> I mean, again, Wreck-It Ralph is problematized by the fact that it's not clear whether Ralph and Vanellope are have a parent-child relationship or a couple's friends relationship. Uh, I don't know what age they are relative to each other. And But anyway, back to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Yep. Um, which is that... Uh, um, so this is confusing. People really like Dumbledore's family, and this would be a big change to Dumbledore's family, and it doesn't quite make sense. Now, I wonder if there's going to be some sort of further revelation down the road that's going to try to tie all this up together. The obvious one from my perspective is that Credence has some sort of direct line to Tom Riddle, and that's sort of why this whole thing has been happening, um, which is that, like, maybe there's a Slytherin who comes to the the castle because Grindelwald is doing his whole wizard Nazi thing and he loves the purebloods and, and uh, supposedly, you know, Tom Riddle is kind of half pureblood and half muggle and his mom kind of like spirited away his dad who was a wealthy muggle. Uh, maybe Credence is his real dad, right? Something along those lines to at least kind of ground it. But as it is right now, and, say, and something that has something has to have be explained with regards to Percival Dumbledore or Grindelwald could just be lying because he's Johnny Depp and can't be trusted. Right. Like uh, not with a pirate franchise, not with nothing. Hmm. Uh, so uh, it's um, that's also possible is that there's no necessary reason why Grindelwald has to be telling the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth here. Uh, certainly lying for a variety of reasons could be defensible. But sorry, Mark, you were. Yeah, Pete, you mentioned Nazis. We should definitely talk about those before we wrap up. But the other piece of lore. That we should just uh, uh, flesh out a little a bit there is the aforementioned hot Dumbledore on Grindelwald action, right? So as you mentioned before, right, uh, J.K. Rowling has uh, stated that she considers Dumbledore to be gay. And in the movie, it is strongly, strongly suggested that they have that uh, the two of them have a romantic relationship, although it's not made explicit. Is this basically the studio uh, pulling its punches so as not to like – attract a whole bunch of uh conservative right-wing ire i don't know i feel like something else going on don't you feel like the wizard the wizard thing already if you're like uh if you are the sort of fundamentalist that's going to object to what's in movies right don't you think that like witchcraft is going to do it for you uh and that like gay witchcraft is not you know i don't know it's like okay i was with these uh i you know i was down with these magical beings who are not our lord and savior jesus but if they're homos <laughs> i can't i just can't hang oh, with man. that you know like, I, I, I don't the think magic, there are the magic, the magic is all just pretend the gay stuff though yeah that's that, uh, that's real rather than homegrown bigotry i had assumed it was the bigotry of the chinese government that caused them to sort of pull their punch oh, it's like yeah. just enough man on man tenderness for to slip by the beijing crew but i don't know right like you know the giant dancing chinese dragon is adorable in this movie as well uh or lion as it were the lion dance uh is great but oh, is uh, this also about two dragons fighting over a pearl Pete? <laughs> there's only one dragon in this uh, movie no there, there are two dragons, dragons. There's oh the, yeah the right. <laughs> there's a red <laughs> dragon and a blue dragon and the pearl is probably the philosopher's stone which we glimpse uh uh we glimpse briefly in nicholas flamel's um you know thing. uh uh safe my my wife was very excited when nicholas flamel showed up uh as like because hermione loves nick like was looking for that book but nicholas flamel 
or uh, trying to imitate her imitation of 10-year-old Emma Watson, which is not a great not a great job. <laughs> but when she's looking for the book in the restricted section. Um, so, uh, but at any rate. So before, uh, I mean, so like going into the, oh, sorry, did, did we cash it out uh, effectively? Uh, Mark, the hot Dumbledore. I guess, I guess one of the questions, I seem to gather that uh, people on the internet are also upset about this, about how the, the, the gay romance uh, was kind of like uh, soft-pedaled. There's no bit. need to soft-pedal it. Other than just being trying to politic with somebody, I I don't really understand there being any need to soft pedal it. It's I mean, it's not like the movie even really implies it. It's like outright shown unless unless you unless you bros look at each other a lot different in sort of, you know, hetero hetero life partner kind of hangout sashes. uh, It was pretty clear those guys were sexually involved with each other. Like, right. Like that was not like a mystery. Yeah. Doing some weird (laughs) doing some weird fetish thing that involved cutting. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think that was necessarily part of it, but like they were in love, right? Like yeah. they, it, it, it really lets the mirror yeah. shows you your heart's yeah. desire, and that's what oh, okay. he's looking in the All right, mirror. There you go. Right? Thank, thank and, you for reminding me what the mirror was. It's like, oh yeah, there's a mirror there. That's important, right? Again, I'm a casual observer. Yeah. <laughs> I know that the mirror is important and has a thing, and that that's what. The no, it shows was. you the fairest wizard of them all. Yeah. So here's the thing, Mark. Too long, indeed. Snake, this later, the snake's going to move to South America, and John Voight and Jennifer Lopez are going to go down there after it to get it, you know, because they have to get the anaconda. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Like don't, a blood don't, diamond. Don't you, think, don't you think the snake moves, like, kind of mutates and moves to the American Southwest, and then Kevin Bacon has to, uh, you know, and, and travels exclusively underground and creates a whole, a whole bunch of other snakes that travel exclusively no, underground? No, what we're, what we're missing is that there's a hole in the bottom of New suitcase and that lion the chinese lion slips through the hole into the land of fantasia where it goes platinum blonde after a coke binge and declares itself the luck dragon and begins carrying children around through the starry night uh that's what that's what happens right (laughs) Uh, um, it's all connected. It's all the Potterverse. So the uh, Weimar Republic. You know, yes, yes. Weimar let's, Republic. let's talk about the Nazis. Well, wait. So, so the the no, point that the I, Weimar. The, Go ahead. The point that I was trying to make earlier is that the the ethos of Harry Potter is on the side of of sort of mess against totalitarianism, and that I think is because it's on the side of children against adults. You know, and that like even the the adults who the movie countenances are adults like Dumbledore who seems uh, crazy, you know, who is not who like, not only does he wear his uh, uh, psychedelic, uh, you know, influenced velvet robes, but he, you know, is anti-authoritarian. He is against the ministry and on the side of sort of tradition and, and folklore and the little guy against, uh, against the big guy and, and, uh, all of this, right? So, so you know, I, Nazi Johnny Depp is bad because Nazis are bad. Um, but, but I think uh, you know, n- Nazis are bad for for um, aesthetic reason, not not exactly aesthetic for for ethical reasons as an ethos. Uh, in addition to the um, to the. Uh, cycle uh, to to the um, philosophical, ethical, the moral reasons uh, yeah. that they're bad. It's you know because because Harry Potter's on the side of of experience against systems and yeah. Uh, yeah. It would be bad to build a Reich yeah. of any sort 
But a right for this specific purpose is notably bad in multiple degrees is kind of what you're saying, right? Yeah. So, like, you're, so you're saying that if you use Nazi tactics to prevent World War II and the Holocaust, which is strongly, strongly alluded yeah. in that uh, in that flash forward scene with like the train and the refugees and stuff like and the and the, and the crowd of poor, disheveled people. Um, if you do that to prevent that, that's also bad, right? We're just so we're clear. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of thought and and ink spilled recently for entirely fathomable reasons uh, about the limits of Enlightenment democracy, uh, the limits of Enlightenment liberalism, I should say. And and if your pluralistic society, like coincidentally, doesn't have any pluralism, it works a lot more smoothly. Like everything (laughs) runs better uh, in uh, if your pluralistic society is pluralistic in name only. (laughs) like if everyone is wizards then you know a lot of a lot of problems if if everyone is a is a blonde haired uh two-color eyed wizard like johnny depp you know uh, a lot of problems are solved geopolitically so there is a difference i think that is worth so so in i don't think it exactly matches up one-to-one but i tend to think that one of the little things that are a bit out of whack here Maybe it's just because of Scansion, but I tend to think of Grindelwald less as a Hitler and more as a Hindenburg. Like Grindelwald, Grindelwald, Hindenburg, Grindelwald, Hindenburg, Grindelwald. See if you can say that five times fast while you're warming up to do your production of uh, Fiddler on the Roof, uh, which is like that that Grindelwald is racist. Right. But he's also an elitist. Right. That that Grindelwald believes that the solution to the baser instincts of humankind is arist- he's aristocrat. Right. He believes that the best people should be in charge. And as long as the best people are in charge, there's this room for the lesser people. They're not all going to be just killed. Right. But they have to take their place. Right. And that and that this is that he is sort of an anti-populist in this respect. Right. And he he, he does not think that. Um, that that uh, all wizards are equal. He is a fan of the pure blood wizards. He doesn't like the other pure blood. He doesn't like the other wizards, and he doesn't like the Muggles. Voldemort is a full on Hitler, right? And he hates the Muggles, right? And he like he really wants to freaking kill everybody that he that is like not on his team, right? And he's deranged. Whereas like Grindelwald is is like an elaborate troll who is able to kind of provoke people. Now, I'm not saying Hindenburg is like this, but I'm saying that, like, there's a scene late in the game where in the mainline Harry Potter universe where Voldemort goes to the castle that we see at the end of uh, Fantastic Beasts 2, where this is the castle where Grindelwald will serve his sort of exile, right? His sort of exile in arrest. But Grindelwald has the Elder Wand, which is in this movie, but not really talked about, which is unfortunate, right? Grindelwald has the Elder Wand, which is one of the three Deathly Hallows, one of the three most powerful objects around in the world. Uh, And that if you were to have all of them, you would be the master of death and super bad. And these are the three MacGuffins that Harry Potter is trying to get. and, and, And everybody's always trying to get in the Harry Potter stuff, right? And so Grindelwald has the Elder Wand, which means he's effectively an unbeatable wizard in combat. Um, he manages to hold on to it, and, and Voldemort goes and strips him of it, goes to his castle and kills him and takes it. And so, like, I feel like it feels to me more like the Weimar Republic than Nazi Germany 
in the sense of, and also just sort of like the German Empire and, and all the sort of different relationships between aristocracy and representation and the kind of conservative versus the communist kind of militias that are fighting each other in the Weimar Republic. Like, I don't know. The, the point being is that, like, I wonder, I wonder if when we get to the next movie, if it's going to be the full-on wizarding war that Grindelwald engages in that will happen alongside World War II, and we will find out that, no, actually, Grindelwald is totally cool with the Holocaust, right? Like, and then, like, Grindelwald... Yeah, like, oh, Grindelwald is clearly right? is, is clear not, um, you know, giving that little sales pitch in good faith. Well, that's, right? I'm wondering. I'm wondering whether he is or not. That's sort of the gist that I, I, I'm getting I, I, Yeah, I, I, I doubt I it, because there's... Whether- Oh, go ahead. There's a whole other piece about like World War One as well. It's like, well, why didn't anybody do anything about that? And uh, we did find out uh, right on the uh, Harry Potter uh, Wikia, um, Wikipedia uh, that uh, the 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 Ministry of Magic actually forbade magical intervention in World War One. Right. So there's no argument about that. Um, so yeah, and I mean they were involved. You know, that. like like the the, the uh, Scarmanders were involved in World War One. But kind of as rogues, um, right? Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, what I think is they, they didn't stop it, right? The wizards didn't stop it. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so I think there are wizards who participated in it, but like the wizards didn't stop the war from happening. And I guess what I'm, I'm not, I'm not really trying to defend Grindelwald at all. Uh, I, I'm more trying to say like, where is the actual climax of the story going with regards to wizard Nazis? Is it going to be that there is not going to the monster at the end of the book? It's not going to Voldemort. And it's going to end with Grindelwald and Grindelwald's going to go full on, you know, Indiana Jones, freaking Holy Grail, Ark of the Covenant. I'm going to, you know, the superior race has taken over the universe. And then and then Credence has to throw himself into some sort of portal and sacrifice himself to save the world. Or is Grindelwald a red herring who is actually not really all that dangerous, but killing him? Well, he's not going to get killed because he always survives, but fighting him goes horribly wrong. In some way, and sort of destabilizing his movements uh, results in something worse than him. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, we don't know because that movie hasn't come out yet. And it's going to come out in years, and Mark probably won't even see it. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, that's the <laughs> Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but but that's the uh, that's what I'm. This is sort of like when 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 Matt says that the crimes of Grindelwald is a movie that primarily presents you with negative things. This is a good example, I think, of what he means, which is that the Fantastic Beast, the Crimes of Grindelwald, poses you the question of whether aristocratic evil Johnny Depp is an elitist, imperialistic, aristocratic German uh, German kind of senator of sorts, like chancellor, or whether he is like actual Hitler or whether there is any difference. And it offers no information to really come to a conclusion among all these different things. But it poses them all as sort of threatening possibilities and then sort of like says, hey, this is information you might want, and then absconds with it and packs it into its suitcase and carries it off to the next movie where you will presumably find your answer unless somebody else can stuff it into a subsequently smaller suitcase and carry it off again. Something along those lines. Um, Excuse me. Um, It was unclear to me when the platypus grabbed the crucifix. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it's before it's before uh, the Grail. Before the guy takes the before uh, Master Pascal drinks from the Grail, but uh, but after they get through the penitent man will pass traps. No, so you're talking about okay. So platypus time, platypus time. Wait, when does the platypus steal the crucifix? The, yeah, in the in the rally. <laughs> Right. Oh yeah. The, well, plat- steals the platypus. The, pack thing. the platypus. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. B- b- breaks out of the suitcase and steals the crucifix. It's revealed later, except that we don't know that it's. Uh, uh, we don't. We don't actually see it happen. 
Um, you know, it's it's yeah. not although clear. it's pretty strongly implied that that's what he's doing because it's like look right. at his lapel, look at his lapel. Can, right, right, exactly. Yeah, really, yeah. a lot, a lot of, lot of focus on that. Where, like, can can the platypus can platypuses walk through blue fire? You know. Oh yeah. If they can, then they should be weaponized. Right. Absolutely. Like, I think that's yeah. the question this movie is really asking is, should we strap bombs to the backs of these thieving platypuses or would they just steal the bombs and sell, scrap them for parts? Yeah. If we can stop World War II and prevent the nuclear holocaust, uh, then I think it'd be worth it. Hey, you, but, can, uh, you can't prevent global war without breaking a few platypuses. <laughs> Look, guys, that is a price I'm unwilling to pay because that platypus is dope. <laughs> I don't say dope a lot, but that platypus is dope. All right, uh, let's let's uh, let's wrap it up there. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs> he, said, he says with resignation, "A platypus is a fantastic beast." It's in the name of the movie. Well, the beasts the beasts are fantastic. It's true, and I, I guess I'm glad in the end that rather than having like CGI robots punch each other or CGI enhanced humans punch each other, that this actually has some sort of creativity in the ter- in in terms of the CGI creatures that that punch each other right like cgi blue scary dragon cgi red uh lion dance dragon creature like uh i don't know cgi phoenix like if these characters are gonna punch each other i feel like that that's a movie at least i can get behind for varieties sake so thank you for listening yeah oh sorry (laughs) Oh, so you're thinking the third movie is going to be called like Fantastic Beasts and How to to Combat Them for Sport? Is that what this is like Fantastic Beasts and How to Bet on Them? Yeah, and how, uh, to catch, how to Catch Them All? Yeah, there it is. There it is. You figured it out. You cracked the code. I mean, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald. More like you know, Fantastic Beasts: The the the. Tra- uh, tra- Creedence Clearwater Revival, you know, <laughs> Fantastic Beasts, uh, uh, Fortunate Son. Wait, was Fortunate Son CCR? Or, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay, there you go. And that's pretty clearly what he is, right? He's a fortunate son. <laughs> uh, some folks are born go. with a silver uh-huh. wand in hand, and uh, he, he ain't going to Hogwarts. That ain't him. He's not some Weasley's son. (laughs) No. Uh, Well, uh, it ain't him and it ain't us anymore because this podcast is over. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Pete and Mark, for podcasting. Check out the Overthinking It gift guide and check out especially the new Streamlined Overthinking It membership. Five bucks and you get some extra podcasts. Uh, Come on. Uh, If you, uh, well, I'll do more of the hard sell later on before, uh, before the year is up. We'll be back next week with more Overthinking It podcast. Till then, visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. So I guess the wizards didn't prevent Vietnam, huh? What do you want from the wizarding community, Mark? They sent Robin Williams to be a DJ. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they even sent they even sent Martin Sheen himself to swim up the river to go get get Marlon Brando, and they sent Marlon Brando in the first place. They're all it's wizards all the way down.